from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. Already said don't mess with the woo But I love doing things they said not to do A rock and a hard face, I'm fighting foo A wet wipe for you, this wet white and woo Straight to the 36, bang in your dirty bits Right to the bristle bone, long range Word he gets right to the point Dance around the issue 30 eye dirty, snock here without a tissue huh. Sizzling guillotine that'll hit you Shaw brother blade, tailor made so it hits you uh, Buster killer, drunk gorilla With falcon bracelets, hoes, thugs, and squiller And if you want beef it's the week of November 18, 2011. This is the Relevant Podcast. Back in action. Wait, I guess you guys did it while it's gone. Back in the saddle. Just because you weren't here doesn't mean it doesn't exist. No, it's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the NBA lockout. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. It was a nuclear winner of podcasting. <laughs> uh, here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Josh Lewin Loveless. Hey, people. To his immediate right, sitting in for Maya, is our editorial director, Roxy Weeman. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello. Uh, and on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. Jesse, at your wedding, as you guys left, heading off, you know, leaving the reception, or heading to the reception, did they play Jesse's Girl? Uh, unfortunately, they did not. Um, did you play it at all during, was that your first dance or anything? I, you know, I honestly don't know if it was played at the wedding. Um, and I had a, I had a, uh, I don't know if I tell a story, uh, but I had an interesting interaction with that song at one point that kind of banned it from any sort of uh, uh, relational interaction. Sounds sounds like a great podcast story. You should you should definitely tell the story. I, okay. <laughs> well, it's probably it's not that great. It's just very. It's something off like a TV show. I went up after Dana and I first started dating. I went up to to visit uh, her and meet some of her friends. And I'm not going to get into all the details. But well, there Dana, was... Hold on. Dana's your, Dana's your current wife. Dana and, is my current and wife. And for people who don't know, we're talking about that <laughs> 80s song, Jesse's Girl. Wait, that Rick Springfield. What, what's the next I, line? I, I don't know. Jesse's Girl. In case you're unfamiliar, which I find that hard to believe. Uh, it, it, it's basically from, from the perspective of the jilted ex uh, uh, love interest of a of a girl who is now dating Jesse, so it's I wish that I had Jesse's girl, and it's basically talking disparagingly about their relationship jealously. You're, anyway, real quick, you're sure that's the premise? You've read the I, lyrics? I, I'm ninety percent. You know, Rick Springfield is sort of an enigma of a songwriter. He's okay. sort of the Tom York of his generation. Yeah. Uh, so he could really be saying anything in Jesse's girl. Okay. But I will assume, I, I, taking the lyrics straightforward, right. that, that, that is. Which, real quick, as a random aside, you can't always do. My brother once gave my his mother, my mother, believe is the same woman, gave her a song and then danced with her to You're Beautiful by James Blunt. <laughs> Isn't it James Blunt who yeah, did yeah, that song that yeah. would not stop being played? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And it's about unfortunately, being, yes, it's about being cheated on, and uh, and he. So in the middle of the dance, I mean, because you told this story on the podcast for, but okay, I want to clarify: in the yeah. middle of the dance, yeah. did, as people are listening to the lyrics and watching them dance together, was it like dawning on him that like, oh wait, this isn't what I thought it was? No, no, no. We all are laughing because. <laughs> He's the only one in the room outside my mother. Why is he dancing with your mother in Be- the first place? That's awkward. Regardless wanna, of the song, I don't want to touch my mom like that. Her. Well, let me just say, his wife sat there 
calmly um, trying to hold back, I don't know, laughter or tears or, or something because we were all uncomfortable. <laughs> well, but why? Well, I don't understand. Like, he hey, didn't um, have let's any dance hitting. You know? <laughs> Listen, we've all been there. You You're can't beautiful. find you can't can't find a present, and and you have to do something meaningful. Oh, okay, so it's like so, Christmas. So you reach for something, and and you you try to deliver it, and the moment oh. you deliver it, everyone realizes is a bad idea. You do but, as well. So let me. So this is Christmas. No, no. I was thinking it was her. It was either a birthday or Christmas. But so I think your it was her your birthday. married brother who has a wife, married so brother, therefore has a living, mm-hmm. has finances. Mm-hmm. Didn't get your mother a gift. Burned a CD. Probably illegally downloaded a pirated version of "You're Beautiful" by and James Blunt. So the Blunt. gift, the gift was, was him. The dance. Was the dance. <laughs> I am the gift. The gift of dance, <laughs> mother. I'd like to give you myself. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about mother boy. All right. Continue with your story. Sorry. You ju- I just want to make sure. Dance, I just want to. I just want to make sure you know what Jesse's girl's all about. Yeah. Well. Well. Uh, uh, taking the lyrics at straight value. If a wedding DJ were to play it. As the bride and groom, if the groom's name is Jesse, uh, it would come across very creepy from the wedding DJ perspective. Right. Because is he saying that he wishes he had Jesse's girl? Who? What perspective is he is he speaking from here? Because now Jesse's girl's married, and right. Right. that's off limits. Right. You know? Absolutely. Uh, so, but anyway, at the at the at the point of the story, we weren't we weren't married. We were just dating. I don't. We weren't even engaged at the time. I don't believe. But well, I went to meet some of her old friends, and among them was someone who used to really like her and at one point in this little it was you know kind of a house party type of setting the everything goes quiet and that starts playing on the on the stereo very very loudly (laughs) intentionally and i look across the room and he's staring dead at me (laughs) it was very awkward uh, I felt for my safety, and we left, and he followed us out, and it was awkward and weird. He did not follow you out. Why did he follow you out? He wished that he had Jesse's girl. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> he, why can't he find a woman like that? But I do know, ever since then, the, the, the song has sort of been a sensitive subject. Right. You right. know? Okay. At least you don't have a song written about you being a prostitute and... Standing like on the red light. On the red light. <laughs> right. That's true yeah. too. That's really I doubt they played that get. at your wedding. No, no one thought. To say that. You don't have to tune on the red light. <laughs> Roxanne, my favorite. Yeah. See, I think I think just it might be something that the wedding DJ first thought. Oh, I'm married. You know, oh, Roxanne's getting married. I'll play Roxanne, and he starts playing, and it's like, ooh. Oh. My I favorite. What this about. My favorite story about that was when someone asked me. So, did your parents name you after that song? After <laughs> no the way. I, I just looked it up and I was like, yeah. My parents had high aspirations oh for me. <laughs> well, they want you to know that. You don't yeah, have no, to. No, they were trying to tell you. You don't have right. to do this. You don't this. have you don't to have do this. Red light. <laughs> <laughs> you may think that's the only option, but you don't have to. It's an inspirational song for young children that you want to grow up and become a certain kind of person in the world. Th- that's what I'm saying. They just wanted to take out that option right away. They're like, we don't care what you do with your life as long as it's not that. <laughs> that's the one thing we don't want our daughter to do. So let's make Yeah, let's go right. ahead and remind her that constantly by naming after her after a very popular song with that message. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, these people who ask you this, how old do they think you are? Because that song is not older than you. You're older than the song. Is it? It's like I don't even know. mid to when late 80s. You're 30 now. Thank you. Thanks thanks for the reminder. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're not even close. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Sting hadn't even thought of forming the police at that point. Sting I think Solo. Sting wasn't even a gleam in his parents' eyes at that point when you were. Born. Well, thankfully, people don't ask me if the song was written after me. <laughs> oh, that's true. You were a very precocious seven-year-old. Oh gosh. <laughs> what is it about being an adult when someone says someone else's age or asks them their age? I just cringe. Why? It's like I don't. It just seems like we're not supposed to talk about that. Why? I, see, I, 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 I never just, got that. I, I see. I understand like that that happens, but I have no problem. It's like me age. guessing Chad's weight right now. It's like, hey, Chad. Hold on, yeah. I'm going with 145. Really? Whoa. <laughs> wow. Oh, you are you are skinny. I'm, I'm really so sick. Un- I'm so uncomfortable. Well, right you're now. a vegetarian. <laughs> 145. <laughs> I know fat vegetarians. <laughs> Yeah, so well, you're gonna I, eat free to lays all day long. Exactly. Weight height, I don't think, on the podcast. No, it's completely unfair. <laughs> I, I actually, seriously, I think 160. He's texting HR right now. Yeah, I'm in between 145 and 160. No, no way. He's a, no. he's a solid 167. If I was, if I was looking I at right now, that. I bet I could get within 20 pounds. I'm well, going, yeah, 20 I'm pounds. With 175. Well, well, that's what you said. Between 145 and 165. Winner. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. I graduated college at 175, and I was way fatter than you. Really? I mean, I wasn't fat at 175. But I felt fat. <laughs> See, this is why you can't have this conversation. <laughs> you just have Chinese food. I was bloated. Big celebration. Well, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to announce that I'm, uh, I'm 31 years old and I'm around 175 pounds. So if anyone out there was really curious. I think you're not that heavy. You don't think so? I don't think you're 175. Do we have a scale in the office? Like no. one Should of the we do UPS a live scales? weigh-in? <laughs> Should the question of the week be guest chat? <laughs> we'll, we'll put three photos of different angles yeah. on the right. website. I love that you're just questioning like his own it's ability to read a scale. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even have a scale. He hasn't weighed himself in five years. You haven't ever walked into a grocery store and immediately walked to your left and gotten on a scale. I always kind of want to no. do that, but then I don't want people to watch me do no, it. I, the, the confidence I don't, I don't that you care. have to have. You weigh like 115 pounds. People okay. will be like, I hate her. No, no, keep going. Let's guess. Let's <laughs> guess. <laughs> See now, now uh, it gets uncomfortable. Now it's weird. Can you stand up real quick? No. Really no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm going one. No more than one twenty. That's pretty high. Right. I'm saying no more than. Thanks for I'm that. within yeah, Jesse's twenty pound buffer. See, like I said, this conversation never ends. This well. isn't ending well. Roxy, I'm not going to go above one fifty five. I'm not going to do it. I will. I refuse. Don't make me. Don't make me. Can I take us to the entertainment Please releases? Do. I've never done that before, before with him here. You. <laughs> yeah, we can't go here. That's where I draw the line when, when we go to me. Yeah, we're just going around the room. I'm fine. Yeah, you're this is like it's like the Biggest Loser podcast. <laughs> I just feel like. Aren't a loser. you glad you're not here, Jesse? We can't even. I know you can't. You can't size me up and can you text me some pictures. Some photos. <laughs> I have that. Some photos. I have that one picture of Jesse and his wife on the beach that I found in the old studio. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So go, go to Facebook. That that that's a that picture is a long time ago. It's a little awkward. <laughs> I weigh 700 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Oh man, um, we have a great podcast coming up today. Uh, you you picked a good one to download, uh, in spite of how we started. But I'm sure the chat will clean that up, and it won't be nearly as awkward as what we just experienced. I'm gonna take out every reference to my weight. <laughs> just don't leave only mine in there, okay? Yeah, like, yeah we're yeah. all talking about we're all talking about other yeah. things, and it's like, yeah, Roxy, Roxy yeah. you're about one twenty, right? On the Skype line, Jesse Carey, Roxy, you're about one twenty, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can you stand up? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> we have a great podcast. Um, coming up later, uh, we talked to one of our favorite new artists, Active Child. Uh, spotlight in the new issue of Relevant, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, also coming up, we talked to Todd Clark of Eat Art. 
which is a social justice organization uh, doing some pretty cool stuff. And as we all know, art, delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, November 22nd. Uh, the Antlers with Together. Uh, Rihanna is coming out with Talk That Talk. Uh, and also, why did you put this on here? Michael W. Smith with... Because uh, I got a press release for it this week. And I don't understand why people are sending me press releases from Michael text, W. Smith. I got a text message directly from him asking from, us to mention him. From Smitty? Yeah, from Smitty saying, listen, I can't yeah. get any PR help. Yeah. Please just mention it on the podcast. Uh, He's this. outside the office right now, pacing around, looking in the window. Uh, the song is, or the album is called Glory. I think it's an instrumental album. Is actually. it really? Yeah, yeah. Is it him at it's a big like keyboard? or like like scores. It's like his John Tesh moment. Yeah, there's exactly. four keyboards stacked. You've seen cool it. it? it was, I saw the Amy Grant tour where she had on that Pre-divorce, like, post-divorce. Pre, uh, she was still a Christian. <laughs> she had on the white and black kind of jacket. Uh-huh. It was like a big arena thing. And Michael W. Smith was just her keyboardist at that point. Wow. What? Yeah. I think they're That's on tour together out. right now. And then he was the opening act for her. Mm. Uh, and then he just joined her band, kind of led her band and stuff. Mm. Mm. Coming out, uh, movies coming out Wednesday, November 23rd. Hugo, starring Ben Kingsley. Isn't it Sir Ben Kingsley? Uh, Jude Law and others. I think it is. <laughs> is that the movie based on the Lost character? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arthur Christmas. Is this true? Like Arthur the movie, they're doing a Christmas one? Uh, starring James McAvoy, Hugh Laurie. Probably not. It's an animated 3D movie. Gotcha. So, probably not. Yeah. It's not about the the, the drunk no, Arthur. No, no. With Hobson. Christopher Cross. So, yeah. yeah. A Dangerous Method, starring Kira Knightley and Vigo Mortensen. Uh, My Week with Marilyn, starring Michelle Williams. And absolutely the highlight of the week, The Muppets, starring mm. Jason Siegel, Amy Adams. I can't wait. Yeah. And others. Maya will not go see it with me. Why? I don't know. Why? She thinks it's ridiculous. And Maybe I'm we going, should. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I. I don't. I grew up. I love the Muppets yeah. growing up, yeah. and it, to me, it looks like it's going to recapture the magic. Yeah. My, my, but is it the point to be ridiculous with yeah. the Muppets? Right. Silly. And it's nostalgic. It's going to be great. My nine-year-old and six-year-old, uh, when I offered to take them to go see that after watching the trailer on television this last week, they both said, "No, no thanks." Oh no! Really? Yeah, they What's said wrong with all the commercials generation? have 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 flown over their heads, and they could care less. Hmm. I think I honestly think they've made it for us. Yeah, I don't think they made Clearly. it for kids. Well, it's Jason Siegel and like Judd Apatow. Right. So I heard it's actually filthy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I heard there's tons of nudity, and the jokes are just you know would would will make you cringe. Well, did you? I was watching some. <laughs> don't see it with your. I, mo- don't I'm see it with your mother. Uh, yeah, unless you <laughs> want to dance with her. Doing, yeah, afterwards. Um, the uh, I, I saw some promo thing they were doing where. Oh, I know. It was on like Gizmodo or something, and and the guy like did the press junket, and so he was able to interview Jason Siegel, and then he interviewed Kermit and Miss Piggy, and so he was talking about like how nervous he was and whatever, and then they show the clip. It's like um, two minutes of this guy from Gizmodo interviewing Kermit and Miss Piggy. He, he says to her, to Miss Piggy, uh, "You look fantastic after all these years. What have you done to keep yourself, you know, looking so good?" And she goes, "Oh, I don't know, just." Maybe one or two things. And she like sticks her chest out. Oh. And she t- oh. Miss Piggy. It's like Miss Piggy does not get a boob job. Wow. Jeez, how much do you think she weighs? <laughs> <laughs> do you think it'd be awkward to interview a Muppet? Like, w- would you be tempted at some point just to look down at the guy that's operating the Muppet? And be like, okay, look, this has gone far enough. 
<laughs> like, let's get the screenwriter out here because the, let's be honest, we're not fooling anyone. This is just stupid now. <laughs> the guys, how long have you been doing this? The guys like crouched down, kind of just like looking at just, you. That's what I'm saying. You're making eye contact with this puppet, and he's like lying on the floor, you know, doing the puppet stuff with his hand. At what point are you like, okay, chief, look, you know, we've had enough here. Let's get Siegel out. The puppet stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, that's if you're entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. You're listening to John Mark McMillan. The song is Daylight. It's from his new album, Economy. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Plato and Heath McNeese with their new song, Wed, White, and Woo. <laughs> really? Wed, Wed, White, and Woo. Is W-U. That, is that you, on the uh, Muppets soundtrack? Yeah, it should be. Oh, that's funny. Oh it's God. playing right now on Relevant FM, and the whole album is streaming right now on The Drop at relevantmagazine.com. Definitely check it out. It's weaming on the WAP. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Thank you. Uh, Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, this struck me as funny because uh, it seems kind of intuitive to me um, that Congress has has realigned some of the restrictions put on school systems for school lunches, basically to make it less restrictive um, to try to save some money, or at least that's what they say. So the critics are saying it, it was a it was a play by the food lobby, but essentially what it what it does is it's letting pizza count as a vegetable. Stop it and French fries. Yeah, and French fries uh, are allowed to to stay in. So to meet the vegetable qualifications for a school lunch, because pizza contains tomato sauce, it can count as a vegetable. That's unbelievable. Which I've always counted it as a vegetable. Which is why you weigh 700 pounds. Yeah, which explains my weight. So so you could have a hamburger, pizza, and French fries, and it would count as a protein and two vegetables. A meat and two veg. Wow. I mean, you're basically doing a South Beach thing there. (laughs) Wow. So uh, obviously, some of the, uh, the the advocates in Congress who who are hoping for uh, a healthier lunch for school children are not too happy about uh, these restrictions yeah. being lifted. Um, but you know, if you're like me, you don't need Uncle Sam telling you what's a vegetable and what's not a vegetable. <laughs> Take that, Michelle I go, Obama. I go to a chicken place all the time. A couple, you know, at least once every two weeks. Zaxby's uh, Pollard's Chicken is what it's called. They have a vegetable menu. On that menu are macaroni and cheese as well as rolls. <laughs> are you telling me the government's going to step in and say, I can't order those as vegetables? <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? Don't tread on me. Do not tread on me. I, have you ever been to Zaxby's? Oh, yeah. yeah. I went there one time yeah. and I ordered some chicken meal and mm-hmm. the entire, all the food on my plate was tan. Mm-hmm. Everything. Everything was fried. Mm-hmm. Every, and I was like, yeah, this is disgusting. Is it good? Do you well, like that's it? How, that's, it's not. This place, not. when you when it has sides, it says vegetables, and literally it has like collard greens, green beans, uh, you know, uh, uh, mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese rolls. <laughs> it, 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 like I said, in some parts of the country, these are vegetables. What do you have, Roxy? Well, I had a great slice 
about school lunches. Congress and school lunches. Oh, I'm sorry, Rock. Did you have any? You can add your own witty anecdotes. <laughs> she added fries. She I added did. Fries I did to that slice. tell you about fries. Well, there is an interesting story, and it, of course, it's from Florida, of a girl who was who was shoplifting. And when she got caught, she texted her friend to help, and her friend called in a bomb threat. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good friend. Yeah. 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 Did it work? I think that they both got put in jail in the end. You know, she tried to help out. At least her name's. It's like that episode of Seinfeld. (laughs) It does sound like an episode of Seinfeld. Well, well, there was an episode where George had had reconfigured the underneath part of his desk to take naps in, and he was trapped in his office because Steinbrenner and his grandkids were waiting in there for him to leave. So George called Jerry and requested that he call in a bomb threat. Ironically, George Steinbrenner instructed his grandchildren to hide under under the the desk. And so then when the bomb squad came in, they heard a ticking in George's desk, but it was his alarm clock. That's right. But they, but they yeah. totally destroyed his brand new desk that he was napping under. There was also yeah. a Seinfeld episode in which all of them ended up in jail. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> one Unrelated. One of the better ones. Yeah. Unlike yeah. Uh, the, the worst the one. friend yeah. and the, yeah. the shoplifter. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. What do you have, Josh? Uh, Venice, Florida is a uh, beautiful place uh, here in our home state. Um, it, Venice, Italy, a little it, better. It does not have, uh, does not have uh, canal roads right. where you can romantically stroll down, but it With is a romantic mom. place if, uh, if you are the sister of someone who's dying. Oh. How, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Jackie, uh, a 42-year-old mother of three, Uh, When Jackie found out that she was going to uh, die and she had a short amount of time to live because of her illness with cancer, decided that she was going to take her ring off and ask and plead her sister, who was unmarried, to marry her husband so that they could take care of their kids. So Jackie has recently passed away. And uh, to honor the wish of 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 Jackie, the uh, the sister and the husband have just gotten married. No <laughs> That's so biblical. Way. It is biblical. So uh, this yeah, is what I was going to say. It reminds me of like the an Old Testament commandment. So um, ultimately, they felt like, uh, they said, uh, we know that we have her blessing um, and she's now wearing the ring that was once her sister's. Um, and uh, this happened, uh, this happened immediately after she passed away and uh, a little while ago, immediately wow. and, and, and right before she passed away, she removed her wedding ring and handed it to her sister and said this, I want to know that this is the three of us. Oh, my gosh. That's a direct quote. They weren't twins, were they? Because that would be really weird. But they're sister wives. They are. I mean, in, in the truest sense, I guess, when you when you marry someone that's alive and, and you're married to someone Didn't, that's dead. I'll be honest. This story's so weird. I feel weird making comments. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. So this is, I, this is a true story that I think people just need to be Didn't, aware of that this is. Didn't Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake do a song about that? Uh, that's Mother Lover. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's not gay if it's a three-way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Mother yeah. Lover, which is actually written about Josh's Josh. brother. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Um, so anyway, in in case, um, yeah, in, I mean, I don't know what to say about it other than it's very biblical and yet it makes me very why uncomfortable. Are we, why are we ending on that? <laughs> no, we could. We Roxy could, should have gone last. Well, I, we I'm need just to letting you know. Palette of that slice that is disturbing. No, it's a biblical response to to death. I mean, it's very self sacrificial. But think about. There's kids involved. There's, and that was one of the main but reasons. Think about the kid. I mean, the kids 
like every day they see their aunt who looks like their dead mom, they're going to be reminded of the loss. And that's what the mom wants. She doesn't want someone else walking in, replacing her down the road. But, but then... It's like the, it's, the the husband and wife relationship is yeah. really weird. It's kind of like a Jeanette Oakes novel, I think. I mean, eventually, like the aunt would have. Did come, she write Annie Get Your Gun? You know, Annie would have. Come, they, I mean, they were always set on the prairie. Oh. Aunt, the aunt would have come. She would have helped take care of the kids, and the yeah. husband was heartbroken. And then eventually, they Need would to have be gotten comforted. married. Yeah. And would have I thought beautiful. she wrote Fight Club. Yeah, that was her <laughs> other one. Her her lesser note. She had an alter ego when she wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> She's very progressive. Yeah. Wow, you guys don't know Jeanette Oaks? That's like female Christian subculture. Okay, so don't look at the three of us slash the guy you can't see, the fourth one, and say, why don't you know this? Well, I don't know. You could have just made that name up. Yeah. We're like I don't know. female you guys Christian writers. Had non- it, found, friends it sounds like a Charlotte Harping and- novel. <laughs> Charlotte Harping. <What? laughs> you do just made that up. I don't even know who that no. is. And it could, yeah, no, it could the, have been. The, the, that the, honestly the, could be an author who writes um, prairie. Christian Amish fiction. Odd. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is sort of like that. Yeah. Sort of She's like real that. big in the yeah. Christian Amish fiction scene. Mm. Big as in weight? Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. 700 pounds. Here we Christian go. Amish fiction uh, is a huge genre. She stood up, I got a good look at her. <laughs> it <laughs> is a huge genre. There's no such thing as Charlotte Harping. I, in case anybody... I knew it. I there is right such now. a thing Somebody's as Amish Googling Christian fiction. Regularly, Cameron brings up references to things that I'm like, later on, I got to go Google that. Yeah. No, I seriously, like, Amish Christian fiction is like the Harry Potter of the Christian bookstore. It's true. It's like the fantasy of Christian bookstores. They, but they don't like dress up as it and wait in line for release days. Yeah, they do actually. They Have might. you been to any Christian No, you're just talking about in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That's just how they dress. Yeah. Oh, that's oh. why. I thought it was a big novel release day. <laughs> I was, they just have I was been say, walking man, a week. These people are really into Amish Christian fiction. <laughs> <laughs> they really love Charlotte Harping <laughs> in this part of the country. Yeah, Jesse, can you can you end us on a non weird slice or an, a non sexually awkward slice? I I just feel dirty. Yeah, I I will do that. Um, uh, it, it, this is a sad day. <laughs> this is <laughs> that that's what we need. I'm just gonna read the headline. How about that? And then we'll, we'll just start from there. One of the last Wizard of Oz, Oz Munchkins dies at 93. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can, can, you, can you go back and tell us a Wizard of Oz what? Munchkin. <laughs> he, this should he not played, be funny. He was the lead tro- and that's, it's capitalized, Munchkin. No, he can, was, oh, can let me you say, say it, it He again? was the lead trooper of Munchkin land Munchkin. in the 1939. <laughs> uh, okay. Say it right. <laughs> You're adding an S-C-H in there. It's Munchkin. You're saying Munchkin. You've I don't got know. like an extra K in there, Munchkin. Guys, yeah, someone has passed S. away. We, we have <laughs> yeah, to be more guys, respectful. So when you said... I mispronounced a word that said, When you said, let me read the headline, I thought you were we were going to make jokes about the headline. I didn't realize we were going to make jokes about the This is like a real person. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that I cannot pronounce a fictional word correctly. This is a real munch, Munchkin that has passed away. I don't. I just think we should be more respectful. I'm not even going to try to say it again because I know I'm not going to be able to, and it's just going to create more laughter. <laughs> that's the point, point. and that's gonna what that's gonna need. pour Carl Slover. I'm not N- sure why you thought that following up a sexually awkward death slice with another <laughs> death slice death slice of someone who it's named after really a sure Dunkin' Donuts to... treat. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying Isn't that what they're it called was, the little it's, it's the holes the holes are called munchkins. But I imagine you don't those call, are named after the Wizard of Oz. You don't call them you don't call the munchkin holes though. That's true. Mm. 
Isn't that what they're called, the Munchkins? I, Am I thinking the Munchy Cheese, the the monkeys from the eighties? I, I don't know what you're thinking. The Munchy Cheese. I don't know cheese. what you're thinking either. No, no, I think in Dunkin' Donuts, the little holes yeah. is called Munchkins. Well, if they are, they're probably named after the characters, not the other way around. They don't look like the Wizard of Oz. Anyway, <laughs> he has passed. When you ordered those donuts at Dunkin' Donuts, do they look at you funny, Jesse? They're like, "What would you like, sir? I'm sorry, Munchkins. <laughs> what would you like? We don't sell Munchkins. What are you saying? Those are toys. The little we don't, they don't, donuts. We don't have them." <laughs> I just point. <laughs> those, those, you idiot, those. And they're on the vegetable menu. At, at, uh, <laughs> yeah, down here we just order a number off the vegetable menu, which donuts are often on. We got four dozen vegetables today for the staff. <laughs> okay, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, active child. Fight and play all night and drive me crazy. I wake up and they just sleep all day. Time went by, the old ones died, so we got new ones. They could talk, I wonder what they'd say. You're listening to The National. The song is 20 Miles to NH Part 2. I think New Hampshire. That that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Active Child is Pat Grassi, a New Jersey native. Um, he's worked with uh, and appropriated a number of styles into his sound from his early days uh, singing with the Philadelphia Boys Choir uh, to his more recent forays into laptop-assisted indie pop made in his bedroom. So think like R&B. With Washed Out, with uh, Florence and the Machine's harp accompanying a boys choir. That's Active Child. Sound is so wide-ranging, he's toured with uh, notable acts in a ton of different genres, including uh, dubstep producer James Blake, the dreamy synth pop of School of Seven Bells, and indie rockers like White Lies and White Rabbits. His debut album, You Are All I See, is available now. Our very own Ryan Hand talked to him. This is... Active child. singing in the Philadelphia Boys Choir. Um, I did. And instead of asking, you know, about how that formed your, you know, like you like your voices or whatever, um, I'm more curious, like how that experience of singing in a group, uh, just being part of something larger, like how that formed you as an artist, like what did that make you, how did that form what you think of in your art? I mean, I think in the choir, it was, I had a little bit of both because it was, it was a big choir. It was like a hundred, uh, like, boys my age and then there was a corral of older men that did like the, you know the lower end of the bass and baritone and tenors and so it was like a bit, probably about 150 people on stage at any given time and so I think in that aspect it was a lot easier to get up there and like kind of perform and you just kind of become a one big just another face in the crowd to a certain extent 
but then at the same time, I did have uh, like I would occasionally have like solos in certain songs where I would have to actually like step out from the group and and you know and, and kind of be like a lone performer in a, in a certain way. So I think those early days of having to actually like step out and be, I guess, um, more of the focal point was was my first experience with that, and it's like trying to get on stage right now is like a whole different experience but I think that was like a good a good launching point for me as far as a performer I guess When you would tour with the choir, like, did traveling around the world, like, did that influence you um, as a kid? Like, I mean, did you get to hear and experience music from other parts of the world that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to see? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I mean, I think especially in, I, I traveled to South Africa and, and went into a lot of the, the kind of um, different ghettos and different areas of, of that, you know, around Johannesburg, like Soweto and Pretoria and different places. and got experience to like a lot of different styles of singing and dancing and then in Australia as well we went kind of into the outback a little bit and you know saw some of like the aboriginal music with didgeridoos and, and different stuff so that was like a really cool part of for me just being able to experience like a lot of these different cultures at a very young age and I think you know I was so young it was really hard to really I guess process how amazing it was you know seeing all these great things and kind of being able to, to perform and in, in a lot of you know some of the most like prestigious venues but um looking back on it it was like i think it definitely had a huge effect on me as, as far as like just looking at music and listening to music and kind of being open to to different things or weird stuff that you know i think some people would initially just kind of brush off or something i just can't wait I've also read uh, interviews like that you've talked about, like being kind of fascinated with religion and church, even though you don't believe yourself. Um, I mean, that's reflected even like in the album art. Um, like, where do you feel like that fascination comes from? I don't know. I guess I'm just, um, I guess I'm just kind of continually like kind of searching for my own spirituality in a lot of ways. And I think in my process of making music, it's it's a very kind of intense personal like reflection in a lot of ways when I start to write and record stuff and I'm, I'm, I have trouble really pinpointing what my fascination is with it but I think it's just I kind of see my music when I'm when I'm working on it I tend to go into um, into just kind of a meditative state and I think um, the, the fact that I, I went to like a Catholic high school and before then I didn't really have a whole lot of experience with religion and but I always had kind of a curiosity for it and going to school for it and then I you know I studied it a little bit in college in different um, world religions and I'm fascinated by by the idea of there being something else I guess just like everyone else is and I just kind of 
try to explore that realm and, and at the same time it's like I'm, I'm I'm very into that the style of music that is kind of associated with a lot of different religions as far as like meditative music and you know you know monks and, and stuff like that and so it's I'm kind of tied into that same spiritual realm I guess I think the choir definitely like had a huge influence on me as far as that and then you know I, I, I think I I feel most inspired by my own music is when I'm in that kind of realm of like reflection and and kind of like a confessional where I can kind of get into a loop of sounds and instrumentals and just kind of get lost in it a little bit. It's like my own, I guess my own sort of Sunday church experience or something. That was Active Child. Check out the new album anywhere, but also at activechildmusic.com. You're listening to Mode Selector and Tom York with the song Shipwreck, but just be warned, when you see the word Mode Selector spelled out, it looks like Mode Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> the song is playing right now on Relevant FM, and the video is on Relevant TV. Eat Art is an eclectic collection of photographers, painters, and designers committed to artfully ending hunger. Here's what you do. You go to eat-art.org. You see a photo, painting, or apparel that you like. You click it. You study it. You decide to buy it. As you choose the size of the art, you're really deciding how many meals you'll be sending to hungry children. The whole idea is for us to all be part of artfully ending hunger. You don't actually eat the art. The website launched uh, September 1st this year, and in the first 15 days, enough art and apparel was purchased to send 15,000 meals to hungry children. Our very own Heather Meekle recently spoke to him. Here is Todd Clark of Eat Art. What do you think it is about the issue of famine and, and hunger across the world that matters so much? You know, how how is it related to you know to the other issues, and, and why is it such a big deal? Our church is very, and my heart is very focused on young families and kids. Even here, like all of our programming is reaching out to young families and stuff who are morally, <laughs> you know, starving, or you know, their kids are growing up with every newest Xbox game, and it's a different kind of starving. But somebody asked me about that maybe a month ago. I, I feel like our kids in L.A. are starving because they, they just they have so many things, but they don't have what really matters. And, and so we created a whole church for those kind of families who are, you know, spiritually starving, though they have all the stuff they could ever want. And I guess in, in some weird way, the way that manifests itself in other parts of the world is that they're not so much spiritually starving in many ways they're better off than us is what i've experienced you know with contentment and such but yet they are they have no money they and and, and we can be a help to them and and i understand you know teaching a person to fish and all those sorts of things and that you know just giving somebody food isn't always the answer and 
we have started churches in Poland, we have started churches in the Dominican Republic to, to put people there permanently and have people there permanently. But there's also this sense that, you know, I felt like if we could get people to donate art, it would be an incredible thing. And, and I really think we can send, you know, a million meals a year is the, is the dream, you know, through art and apparel. But I think it was already in my heart. <laughs> What do you think it is about art that that has the power to change things? Oh gosh, you know, I just it's it's obviously it's it's worth like it, an image, you know, from Jeremy Cowart in Haiti or an image of one of Clark Little's waves. I mean, it just is there. There's an emotion to it, and not only is it fulfilling for the for the artist to capture these things or or create these things, but one of the most unique things about eat art so far that I didn't anticipate was the unbelievable opportunity I've had to speak to artists who are not believers at all. And it's the reason that, it is actually the reason that we setting this up is that specifically not a religious charity. It is a public charity, not a religious charity. But that being said, I've had so many conversations with guys at coffee shops. And just the other night I was in Hollywood shooting a band and talked to some people and even some of these artists from Hawaii who they are so gifted but yet they are so frustrated with life because they're not making a living in their art and they're quote starving artists and they know they should maybe quote do something else but they can't stop creating they can't stop doing this in some ways maybe to their own demise and I've suggested look the reason you create is because of the creator who made you and until you work through that you're always going to be frustrated the reason you create is because you were made to create by the creator and, and the sooner you come to grips with with who made you the easier it will be for you to handle this maybe bitterness or angst you know in your life i have found that a lot of these artists are not only struggling but a bit bitter and angry it's it's wild Are there any stories that you want to share that have um, kind of just given an example of, of why you're doing this? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd share there's a couple. Um, one is is my heart. I've been in Guatemala quite a few times and been able to make relationships with people and kids and stuff there and been to language school there several times. And just the opportunity I've had uh, to, to help feed kids there, you know, has been... I think is what just has turned my heart uh, on that. Um, I, I don't know that we have like any stories yet just in the first month or so of like a kid who got this and, and lived. Um, more of our stories just kind of come out of my own heartbeat for these kids. Uh, and then really the first month or two, my stories are all about the artists who have decided to get on board and why. You know, from a Jeremy Cowart who's already a benevolent guy and as you mentioned, involved in lots of things, but says, look, I gotta make room for this. This is this is crazy. I mean, if my stuff could send meals by the thousands, I mean, then, I, then I'm in, I have to be in. And then also the other people who have zero faith at all, and they're like, man, I'm, I'm in. I never imagined that what I do could do anything but bless myself. 
you know, and when they find out they can help others, they just, they can't believe it. So you think that's kind of a revelation for them that, you know, out of this really just outpouring of what, what is inside them, they can change lives? Oh yeah, it's, it is, there is no doubt, especially people who are far from God, they, they don't even realize that this is a benevolent thing that God created them to do, but there is no doubt that some of these people that I've talked with online or on the phone have had aha moments. I mean, they, they are so self-absorbed, so bitter, so angry, so wondering why they do this and nobody wants it. And to see that they could do something like this, it, it's like, I think it's a half step towards them understanding, you know, that there's more to this life and that the greatest ecstasy in life is from, from giving. That was Todd Clark of Eat Art. Check out the website at eat-art.org. You're listening to Crystal Stilts. That's that's what you want out of your stilts. That's blinged out. Uh, I think I think they wouldn't be very sturdy. I was just saying they'd be very breakable. No, you could just super glue. But if you walked out like off of a curb onto a street, you're shattering those crystal stilts. I wouldn't make them of. I mean, if I had stilts, I would I would bling them out With on the outside. Well, on the bonus though, they're sort of transparent. And so it's almost looking like you're hovering. <laughs> you're hovering. That's exactly what it is. You're so, hovering very awkwardly because it's impossible not to look very, very awkward when you're in stilts. But you can only wear them in very densely padded, carpeted areas. Mm-hmm. What if they were diamond stilts? No, because be like, then you can't see through them. It's a totally different song, Roxy. I know, Jeez. but they'd be indestructible. That's ha- true. Have you guys very, ever been to Margaritaville expensive. where the guys are walking around on stilts doing balloon animals? Stilts and balloon animals? Yes. It's like a Friday night at Fridays. It, it's <laughs> one, yeah, one, it's sort of nightmarish. Two, you, you, you're just like you're so creeped out while you're eating. You know, I don't want to see a stilted man wandering around the restaurant while I'm trying to enjoy my food. I really, I, you know, the Tuesday nights at Fridays where they have like the balloon night for the kids. Yeah. I re- that guy really bugs me because yeah. it's like, I'm just here trying to eat. I didn't he ask you to come up, here. He walks up with the dollar bills hanging out of his shirt pocket, uh-huh. starts doing the balloon animal before you can tell him, no, leave mm-hmm. us alone. Do you just start wildly popping them? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> but it's like, it's not fair. And then you're committed and you have to yeah. give him a tip. And it's like, I just want to have dinner. And you can't say no because what would Cohen do You can then? say no. No, I do say no. I'm like, get out of here. We don't want any of that. Get Mm -hmm. out of here. And then he's just like dejected at some like guy who's down on his luck or some college kid just trying to make a living. I think any of people, anyone that's working at Fridays making blue animals is down on their luck. (laughs) All right. It's time for uh, your feedback. So last week I wasn't here. So uh, apparently uh, we asked you or you guys asked uh, that if you had a conversion van, what would be your artistic airbrush theme on the side of the van? Also, what extra accessory would you add to your van? And Jesse wanted to know that if you already owned a conversion van, what did what do you use the ladder for? <laughs> it was it was a it was a compelling conversation. It, it really was. I think we changed the world. We're tackling I, the 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 big issues this, out there. Yeah, yeah. this just did. Actually, I think I mean the what. Do, 
don't you just use the ladder to go lay on the top and watch the stars? Uh, but Maybe. I mean, how? Why, why not for a regular car? Why is it just on the conversion band? Yeah, why not? If that's the reason, There's why like doesn't every car have a ladder? It's high enough up that you can you can hide up there. It's safe. You can I, sleep. Yeah, but but again, why doesn't it. that apply to a regular vehicle? Because you'll dent the roof, or even a miniature van. Also known as a minivan. <laughs> it's a minivan. <laughs> also, I'm just saying. Also, all, I think size. I, yeah. I'm just. My whole point was the frequency that someone is getting on top of the roof of of their van. Does it really constitute the need for a ladder? Okay, so what it has to be is for cargo to be tied down up there. You need a ladder to get up and down to tie cargo down. Do you? I mean, I think that's what your ladder is for. The one you have at your house. Yeah, in the but garage. at the campsite, you don't bring a ladder with you. You have it bolted onto the back of your van. How much luggage are you putting on the top of your well, conversion if van you if you're camping? you have a conversion van, you're one of those families that puts those, those uh, luggage things on top. That's where they put it all because they filled it up with kids. They've got like nine of them. Okay, so uh, let me take that a little further. Your Ford Explorer guy doesn't need a ladder on the back, but he may have the same luggage bubble. Yeah, I on can the still relatively easily step on the bumper and get onto the roof. Mm-hmm. On, a, right. on an Explorer, you right. can. Right. A runner on a conversion van? How no much way taller, you're reaching that. How much taller is your conversion over your Ford Explorer? Well, yeah. the conversion vans have that roof thing so you can stand inside. They bump the roof up, so mm-hmm. it goes up another two feet. Two feet. My my whole point was, you know, I, I just, I'm not opposed to the ladder. I just want to know if you have one, how often are you actually using it? Does it actually need to be there? No, and it's, then it's also, like, we just got talking to the sweet van ideas. It's like the je- it's like the Jeeps with the the full wheel on the back door. You don't need that. You're going to use it yeah, once how, every how five years. How often are you blowing out a whole wheel? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you can't just do a normal size spare. You have to do the big jumbo with the rim. Nobody wants to put the little spare on the back. <laughs> Yeah. That's a way of saying, yeah. if I lose any of these four babies, I'm putting this little wiener, wiener dog on. <laughs> this munchkin. <laughs> or, or, or even like the KC lights up top. Like how often are you just rooting through the swamp and, and need to like project four big spotlights out there? Well, you're talking, I mean, if you're living in New York City, never. If you live in a swamp, Every day when you come home. Yeah. It's true. Are your it's headlights true. not sufficient? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're cool. They look cool. So does the ladder. Just, I just don't think they're necessary. That's all. Uh, Cam Ray says, my conversion van is airbrushed camouflage. Uh, he's talking in present tense, by the so way. This one. is no longer hypothetical. He's <laughs> just, yeah, this isn't just a fantasy. He's just reporting in on what he is. He's, uh, he, he drove to work in today. He says, my conversion van is airbrushed camouflage, but is actually a giant stereo that when you stare at it long enough magically morphs into a 3D image of a bald eagle with a machine gun riding a gray wolf pulling a dog sled carrying a scantily clad silhouette of a woman basking in the fresh air. And he says, the ladder takes you to my convenient helipad which I use to launch my homemade one-man helicopter built from plans I found in the back of a Johnson Smith Company catalog when I was 10. I keep that bad boy strapped on top in case of heavy traffic Traffic and low patience levels. It's hella sweet. Wow. wow. Uh, that he really went all out. Justin Kev had a good idea to convert the version. I'm sorry. Convert the conversion vans doors into the goal wing doors like the DeLorean. You guys oh. know what I'm talking about. Oh. They, they, they come up. But the side of the doors would be painted like eagle's wings. And you could use the ladder to get on top and see the full eagle painted on the on the roof. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to. Uh, oh, it would also be able to, to travel through time. 
he says. Um, I'm going to go one step further. Why not paint the roof like the dog from Neverending Story? So it's like if you if you got a friend driving, you're always flying on top of the dog. Wow. I hate I hated that movie. I love that movie. I hated those that people movie. hated the flying dog. When are they going to make another one? I, they they should repent for making one. I'm the only person on the planet that feels that way. But I hate let me that ask you movie. this, Josh: Would you would you ride a Neverending Story story themed van? I might. I might, but I, w- I don't want anything to do with the wouldn't movie. That, wouldn't that look like the uh, the van from Dumb and Dumber that looked like the dog? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did that have gold wing doors? No, it, had, it was it had the ears. leg that came up for the it had, gas. It had ears. Yeah, the leg came up for the gas. That's right. <laughs> See, that's a great fan. But Just Kev did well, too. I'm not taking away anything from him. And Just Kev's can travel through time. So, Did anyone go the route of making a conversion van into a literal conversion van? Like Jesus saves <laughs> like evangelism, rolling. Yeah, evangelism. exactly. A Kirk Cameron <laughs> van revival uh, on wheels. Uh, I, I know of a inner city evangelist uh, in in Jacksonville that has a van that on the side is airbrushed uh, Demon Buster, and they drive. <laughs> so it's literally a conversion. It is van. literally a conversion <laughs> van, and they drive around the streets and and she chases off like crack dealers and stuff, and she's gonna bust the demons. <laughs> so. Uh, Chad Mitchell says, easy. It involves a mural of Meatloaf's infamous bat riding out of hell artwork, a lot of glitter, an ice cream fridge with a window that pops out, a ladder that leads to a dance party on top, and a bulldozer blade on the grill. Ten kinds of masculinity right there. So theologically, um, bats can come and go from hell, like mm-hmm. like kind of like Jesus went, yeah. got the, and then he I left. think only the ones that are monkey bats can... Can come and go. go. The munch, yeah. the munchkins. The munchkins. The, munch, yeah. the bat. The munchkins. <laughs> oh, but there's nothing more scary than a bat monkey. Where, there's not. So the bat out of hell would fall more in the Chan theology or the Bell theology. I don't know. It, everything about this Bell, being a masculine, masculine man makes Bell? it more of a Driscoll van. Yeah. To be Ooh. honest with you. But I don't. I the think Dr- I think for yeah. Driscoll when yeah. people go to, when when things are in hell they're in hell forever mm-hmm. but but with bell but, but are, with is bells, it total are they totally annihilated at some point or is the torment forever for these bat monkeys if you have a conversion van <laughs> to fly you out of there i think you're safe so so, so bell's <laughs> theology is pro bat monkey that can come and go the hell's there but you're not resigned to it forever. you choose it for yourself once the you bat see monkeys it. would choose to stay mm-hmm. right and they probably would because they're bat monkeys. no they're they must be not me loves bat monkey I think though you got out of yeah, there. Yeah, but maybe they're just <laughs> like a bat out of hell. Maybe they're bringing more bats into hell with them. Oh, so you're thinking Meatloaf's bat monkey got out of hell to go recruit other bat monkeys to join him in hell because he chose it. They're demons, and he felt they feel more comfortable there. I'll be honest, that sounds they totally don't... off base theologically. <laughs> I appreciate you shooting straight with us. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm gonna call I'm gonna have call you, have you ever read Frank I don't I don't agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think this was the subplot in this present well, I, darkness. I really like by, by Frank Peretti. Uh, 1993, yeah. All right, well, that'll do it for your uh, feedback. If you want to see the long, probably the best ones are buried that we didn't read them because they were so long. Yeah, but they were very good. They were very good. So if you want to read those, go to last week's episode page. Or not just read, if you're looking for inspiration for for artwork on the van that you're in the market for. Uh, Go to last week's episode page at relevantmagazine.com. I, I did have one I just want to throw out there. It would be a Top Gun themed van, and it would have the volleyball scene 
airbrush on the side <laughs> with no explanation. Wait, so aren't they? Sure. It wouldn't really be top t- gun themed. It would just be. It would just have the volleyball scene on the side, and then the bu- on the tire it would say goose, and it would have his birth and death date. <laughs> so aren't they shirtless wearing short jorts? Yeah. Okay. Just just one. No clarify. explanation though. Goose. <laughs> And then it's like a tribute to, it's a rolling tribute to Goose. Okay. All right. So uh, here's this week's. Editorial question of the week. Okay. So this is the last podcast before Thanksgiving. We're going to have a podcast next week that'll go up on Black Friday. Mm -hmm. Because give you something to listen to while you're standing in line like an idiot. So we, (laughs) while you're standing in line to save $14.95 on that tricycle for your kid. That's probably what they spend in gas driving into town. I, I look at the Black Friday thing of like, what is your time worth? And for me to yeah. have to stand there and be miserable for, I mean, hours and hours, plus the tiredness, plus the crankiness. It, I mean, it would have to be seriously like a $2,000 item that I'm getting for 50 bucks yeah. for me to think that that was worth it. Time is money. Time is money. There Happiness. Who, Life is too short. There are people who like to do that. Yeah, they're the people who are elbowing, scratching, clawing, fighting, and getting arrested. Yeah, literally people die at these things. I know. I I stay home. Anyway, so while you're there being afraid for your life, you'll be able to listen to next week's podcast. It'll keep you calm. It will. Yeah. Uh, It'll bring joy to the occasion. It'll be the first time you can listen to to Christmas music. So next week's podcast, right? all Christmas music. Mm So um, well, it'll be festive. It'll yeah. be good. Uh, but anyway, we want since this is the last podcast before that sacred event, we wanted to hear your stories, your craziest Black Friday stories. Uh, head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and right there in the comments, tell them and we will read our favorites next week on the podcast. If you want to call in and tell us your crazy story, this could be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, email podcast at relevantmagazine.com and uh, tell us your Skype name. On that note, we'll wrap up the podcast. Many thanks to Pat Grassi, otherwise known as Active Child, uh, for talking to us. You can check out his new album at activechildmusic.com. Trust me, you want to check out this album. It's yeah. fantastic. So uh, also, thanks to Todd Clark of Eat Art for talking to us. You can find out more about that organization at eat-art.org. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Roxy Weeman. I'm Josh Luan Loveless. I'm Jesse Carey. That's Todd Michael Snavely. We'll see you. On Black Friday. Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. Monkskin.